Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father Almighty God, tonight we ask, O oh Lord, we bring ourselves before you when we pray that the Holy Spirit takes absolute control. We yield to your ministry. We yield, O oh Lord, to your guidance. We yield, O oh Lord, to your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We pray, my Father, that as we spend time in your word, that tonight, Father, that which you have planned, which will outrun that which we expect, may it come to pass. Thank you for this evening, Lord. Thank you for everybody who's logged on. Thank you for everybody who will log on. Thank you, Father Almighty God, for those who are listening by podcast. We ask that in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that tonight glorifies your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get straight down to it, and I'm going to read over our scripture for this um this season and so please turn in your bibles to luke chapter 5 we are reading from verses 1 to 11 and then we will we'll go from there and the bible says the following and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of god he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. this is jesus christ and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Ladies and gentlemen, we read over that for, for a very simple reason. And, and the reason is, is as follows. We read over that because that is our word for the year. Launch out into the deep. And so we realize sometimes we may, um, what happens when these words come at the beginning of the year we have to keep going back to them and we'll one we will learn so much from them as we look at the different aspects that um, are in those scriptures and are in those verses are in those words but also it encourages us to keep going forward the bible's the bible is very clear about god's um when god gives you a vision or a picture of tomorrow he's very very specific that it will come to pass and so the word of God over your life this year, the word of God over the, the life of the church this year is that this is the year that God says launch out into the deep where there will be a fundamental shift from a time where you struggled to a time where you no longer struggle and the benefits will allow you to serve the kingdom of God in a brand new way. And so ladies and gentlemen, that's where we are. That's why we're looking at these. Um, that's what our focus for this month. And so we're going to focus on one part tonight. And the part that we're going to focus on 
is found in verse 5. That's Luke 5, verse 5. And the Bible says the following. Jesus said in verse 4, like we said, um, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And then Simon Peter makes a statement, and this is where we're going to focus on tonight. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and taken nothing. Then he says, but nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something. What Peter was describing was a series of circumstances that would easily qualify for what we call a famine. It was he had worked all night. He had done everything that he could do and absolutely nothing had worked. And they had literally spent the night on the waters. They had done everything right, but they had caught nothing. The Bible says Jesus's introduction changes this. And so tonight, what we're looking at, and we said we'll look at that at this last week, is we're looking at how to thrive in a season of famine. Because I want you to realize God's word for you this year, his desire is that irrespective of the circumstances, you and I thrive. So let's jump in as we do. Um, it's it's going to be a fun journey. Um, please take notes. I'll, I'll put as many scriptures as I can as we're going along. And so the first thing I want you to do, please, ladies and gentlemen, is this. The first thing I want to say is let's talk about famine um, and let's talk about what what it what it is and please note famine was and always will be a judgment that sin brought famine is never god's plan for you or i where god says i'm going to thin things out so everything is destroyed so let's look at where that came from and, and we're going on on a very short journey ladies and gentlemen a very short journey please turn in your bible to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, reading from verses 17 to 19. So that is Genesis 3, and please turn to verse 17. And this is where famine was introduced in the Bible, and the Bible says the following. And this is the story of the fall of man, Adam and Eve, and, and this is where the Lord is explaining the consequences of their actions. And speaking specifically to Adam, and he said, and unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse 18. The Bible says, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Now that is the consequences of Adam's disobedience. The key word I want you to focus on, ladies and gentlemen, is sorrow. The reason I said, and I'll explain what sorrow means. Sorrow means worrisomeness, labor, or pain. And the, all of a sudden, sorrow has been entered into, introduced into the man's experience as he walked with God. And so all of a sudden, lack enters the world, that you will do lots of work, but it will not produce enough. And so that's where a famine came from. Now we realize when you look at how God introduces man into his presence, he introduces him into abundance. And so if you could turn in your Bibles to Genesis 2, and I'm going to read from verse 9. I'm going to read quite quickly. Genesis 2 verse 9. And the Bible says, and out of the ground, the Lord made the Lord to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 10, that's Genesis 2, verse 10. I'm reading from nine. I'll stop at about, I'll stop at 12 for sake of time. And the Bible says the following. 
Verse 10, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is, is Pison. That is that which encompasses the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold and the gold of that land is good. There is bdellium and the oink stone. I'm not sure I said that correctly, oink stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon. And then it goes on and it says it encompassed the whole land of Ethiopia. But what you realize is not only did God provide abundance for the man, he provides every tree that is good for food and pleasant to the sight. He also places in the ground every precious stone and metal that he will need in the future. So God, when God introduces man into the world, he introduces him into abundance. So we realize when famine shows up, it is in response to sin. It's a judgment. So famine is a judgment. And so we're going to have a look at that very um, clearly. So come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Genesis chapter 8. And we're going to read from 20 to 22. Genesis 8, 20 to 22. And the reason that's so important, ladies and gentlemen, is this is where the Lord is restoring. He's restoring the world that he had to wipe everybody out. He saved Noah and his family, wiped out all the animals, wiped out all the plants. So the earth was completely bare. And now he is restoring the earth to fruitfulness. Now listen to what the Lord says. The, the waters have gone down. Noah and his family have come out of the ark and Noah builds an altar to the Lord. And the Bible says, and Noah, verse 20, and Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. So literally, it's creating an environment of repentance. It created an environment of peace. That's how, that's how it was done before grace kicked in. And he offered instead, and it was offering to the Lord to say, Lord, this is this is your offering. Okay. So please keep that in mind. And the Bible says in verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet Sabbath. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. Please keep this in, in mind. Verse 22, the will and intention of the Lord. So the Lord now establishes something that is going to persist for the entirety of the existence of the earth. And the Bible says the following, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. It is God's intention that when it comes to the earth, fruitfulness, not famine, is what was required. And so ladies and gentlemen, this is a good place for us to pause now. And we're going to take our declaration as we pray over the United Kingdom. And also wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen, pray over the nation that you are praying. And we're going to make a declaration. Our declaration comes from 2 Corinthians 7, 14. And we are asking the Lord to heal, restore to an original state our land. So let's do it together. Oh Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves and we pray. We seek your face. We turn from our wicked ways. Hear from heaven, Lord. Forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus's name, we pray. We declare that our land is healed in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Now, what that means, ladies and gentlemen, when we say the land is healed, what we are asking is that, God, your original intentions for our country, your original intentions for wherever our land is, 
but also your original intentions for my job, my family, my future, my church, those intentions hold sway. And what are those intentions? Genesis 8 verse 22, the Lord says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer, winter, day and night shall not cease. Those conditions, those four couplets create fruitfulness. They enable harvests. That means when you plant something, you will not plant in vain. When you sow something, you will not sow in vain. And this is what we realize. And so what was God doing? He said, I will no longer curse the ground. So what he's doing is the blessing that I now declare undoes the curse. And so let's have a look at that, ladies and gentlemen, and let's have a look at that over our lives, and then we'll move on, just so that we can understand what famine is. Because even though we present famine as this is this happens when God judges a nation or judges a people, I want you to realize where it comes to you and I, because of what our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has done, ladies and gentlemen, that does not apply to you. Your, it is not God's intention that you live in a famine. And so please turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to read from verses 13 to 14, and then that will wrap up this point for us. So please turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3, 13 to 14. And the Bible says the following, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through him. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand, because of what Jesus has done, that the price of all our actions, price of things that we have done wrong, he has paid for. So when we find ourselves, as we do in this particular season, in a famine, we can go to God and say, Lord, based upon the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, heal our land, heal my business, heal my family's story. And we're going to look at that in detail. So I'm going to move on, ladies and gentlemen. But now you understand where a famine comes from. And we also understand that it is God's will and intention that you thrive even in a famine. Everybody else might be going through a difficult time, but in all sincerity, ladies and gentlemen, because of your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, God wants you to thrive. And so we're going to go on. And so let's have a look. So we're going to, we're literally just going to look because notice Peter had a famine. He had worked all night and raised nothing. And I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, this is the beauty of God's word over your life. When God introduces his words into your situation, famines will end. And so let's have a look at four, um, five ways that you can thrive in a famine. The first one, ladies and gentlemen, the first way that you can thrive in a famine is to spend time in the word of God. Now, I want you to realize spending time in the word is not an empty process. It's not an empty process at all. And so, because that leads, when you spend time in the word of God, when you are reading, when you are studying, when you are meditating, when you are confessing, and when you are acting on the word of God, it leads you into a place of righteousness. Let's have a look at a fantastic example. Turn in your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Psalm 1, and I'm going to read from 1 to 3. So that's Psalms 1, and I'm going to read from 1 to 3. Psalm 1, 1 to 3. And the Bible says the following, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
verse three. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So ladies and gentlemen, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that first, when you spend time in the word of God, it will govern how you do things, who you associate with, what you do and how you act. It will control your words, your thoughts and your actions, thereby creating, ladies and gentlemen, a situation where irrespective of the circumstances, what you do will prosper. But let's put that into two or three scriptures so we can get a very clear picture of this particular point. Please turn in your Bibles, ladies and gentlemen, to Jeremiah chapter 17, and we're going to read from five to eight. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses five to eight. And I'm going to read from the King James Version of the Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 17, and I'm going to read from verses five to eight. And the Bible says the following, thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm. But the key element is this, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like a heath in the desert and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land and not inhabited. So ladies and gentlemen, notice when you begin to trust things outside of the Lord God and your heart now begins to place its confidence in things outside of God. The Bible records that in that situation you are limited. What is a curse? A curse is a limitation, a spiritual limitation that you can't see that stops good coming towards you. The Bible says good comes but you don't see it. Now, I want you to realize this is what the Lord says when you don't trust him. When you spend time in the word, like we looked at in Psalm 1, the man that does trust him moves into a different realm. And so let's read on from Jeremiah chapter 17. And I'm going to read from verses, um, uh, verse, I'm going to read from verse 7. The Bible says the following. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Verse 8, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green. Then listen to this one and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So what I want you to remember, ladies and gentlemen, compare, please, compare what happens to the person who spends their time in the word of God. The Bible says the results are the same as the person that trusts the Lord and whose heart trusts the almighty God. Now, what I want, what I want you to realize is this, what I want you to realize is, so when you spend time in the word of God, when you spend, and when I say spend time, sit down with the word of God and let the Holy Ghost teach you, read it study it, meditate on it, especially where you're looking for something specific and begin to chew it over, begin to think about it, begin to repeat it to yourself, begin to declare it over your circumstances, declare it when you see things happening and declare it when things are not happening. The Bible says what will happen? You will begin to trust the Lord. Because the word of God is alive. Hebrews 4 verse 12. The Bible says the word of God is alive. It's quick and it's powerful. And it will find its way into your heart. 
whether you want it to or not. And I want you to keep that in mind. Hebrews 4 verse 12. I want you to keep that in mind. That Listen, when you're reading the Bible, the Bible's alive. You are not just reading a story. You're reading a person. And the Lord makes sure his word gets on your inside. So please keep that in mind. And so that's what we also realize. And so what happens when the word of God gets into our heart? Romans 10, verse 10. Romans 10, verse 10. And the Bible says the following. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Those two things are very key. Righteousness is what Jesus provides for us that gives us right standing before the Lord. That means when we come into the presence of the Lord, we are we have a right to be there. In law, it's locum standi. I think that's the word. It's you can literally, you have rights of audience. That means you can make a statement in that place and you will be heard. Now, the key element of righteousness is something that God grants to us. The Bible records that when you believe the word of God, you step into the place of a righteous man. Not your righteousness, it is Jesus' righteousness. He makes us righteous. And the Bible says the benefits of the righteous are that God takes care of. One of the benefits is that God takes care of them in a famine. The Bible then says when you believe with your heart, you now have to declare with your mouth to see what you have believed to become a reality. Like I said, spending time in the word of God, let me go over it again. You are reading, sometimes read it out loud. You are studying, finding out what the Bible actually says. You are meditating, muttering, repeating to yourself and imagining. And then you are confessing. You are saying over yourself, what the Bible says over you. And then, ladies and gentlemen, there will be a manifestation. The Bible says that confession is made unto salvation. The word salvation there is sozo. That means whatever concerns you, nothing will be missing and nothing will be broken. But ladies and gentlemen, like I said, this is key number one for living in a um, a thriving in a famine but let's have a look at one scripture that wraps it all up please turn in your bibles to psalms 37 verses 16 to 19 that's psalms 37 verses 16 to 19 and let's see what the lord does for the righteous and ladies and gentlemen i honestly believe from this night forward you will no longer say that this is these are troubled times you will declare that where everybody else has a casting down god will lift me up why because i am the righteous the bible says that god delivers the righteous there's something about being righteous that the lord loves so psalms 37 i'm going to read from verse 16 a little that the righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked Verse 17, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord is going to hold you up. Even if you find yourself with little, the Lord will make up the difference. The Lord will bless what you have and he is going to extend it. But let me keep reading. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever verse 19 they shall not be ashamed in the evil time i know this these are evil days but you will not be ashamed and the bible says and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied so ladies and gentlemen key number one for thriving in a time of famine is spending time in the word of god why because it takes you to a place 
where you move, listen carefully, from where you are to a place of righteousness. And when you are walking in righteousness, the Bible says God will uphold you. God will satisfy you. God will, even though that these are evil days, God will make an exception for you. The Bible says that when you are a righteous man, you will not cease from bearing fruit. And that's key number one. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is your year. This is your year to launch out the circumstances around you. Yes, it might be bleak, but not for you. Why? You are the righteous you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the benefits of a righteous man are that God will satisfy you in days of famine. So for as long as this famine lasts, whether it be in the United Kingdom or whether it be, uh, whether it be, whether it be in the United Kingdom or whether it be in the United States of America or whether it be in Nigeria, wherever it may be, for as long as those days last, the Lord will satisfy you. The Lord will satisfy you. And so ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the next one. Let's go to the, the next thing. And this, the next key for thriving in a famine. Please keep this in mind. Prayer. Hear me well. Where you are in a famine, the next key is prayer. I can't say this enough that prayer works. And during a famine, ladies and gentlemen, when you now ask the Lord, that Lord, what we are facing is a challenge. And it is a challenge to what you have said. The Bible says that God will respond and he will intervene and so we're going to have a look at that really quickly um some really really fun scriptures and, and leading up to one and so we're going to look at three scriptures ladies and gentlemen so please turn in your bibles to first kings first kings 18 first kings 18 and i'm going to read from verse 36 from verse 36 and i'll read ladies and gentlemen and it came, this is the, the contest between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, where Israel was in the middle of a vicious famine because they had abandoned the Lord. Like I said, famine is a judgment and God breaks famines. So the Bible says the following, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near. So I'm going to read from 1 Kings chapter 18, and I'm going to read from 36 all the way to 46. We're going to read the whole thing, just that little bit. It's a great piece of reading. And the Bible says, and the prophet came there and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. There's the heart again. Please keep that in mind. The Bible says in verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt, of burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Lord, he is the God the Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal and let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Verse 41. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Pause. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to declare this over your life that everybody else says that there is a famine. Hear me well. There is the sound of the abundance of rain. Please keep that in mind, but we'll read on. The Bible says, verse 42, so Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, 
go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and they and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, go up, say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heavens were was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand something. Elijah caused the Israelites to turn back to God. That means the reason for a famine, which is to induce repentance, that's what it's there for, for men to turn back to the Lord and say, Lord, we have sinned, we've missed you, Lord, we want to amend our ways. The Bible records that when he had done so, and God responded from heaven, as he will respond for you, but the Bible says there was still the manifestation of their restoration. That means they had to, there had to be an outworking of their restoration. Now, listen to me very carefully. Notice, Elijah then leaves the crowd. He leaves them in the middle of the plain, climbs the mountain, and then he makes a prophetic declaration. He says, there is the sound of the abundance of rain. And he then begins to pray. Then ladies and gentlemen, there is prayer and there is prayer. The kind of prayer that Elijah prays in this instance is intercession. He goes into deep praying where you are praying into reality. Literally, we call it a birthing prayer prayer, where you are pushing into reality a promise that God has caused to happen. That kind of prayer is focused. He put his head between his knees, he shut the world out, and he prayed with everything within him. Ladies and gentlemen, the, what happened? Because they had returned to the Lord, the Lord broke the famine. And I want you to keep in mind at this point in time, when the Lord breaks a famine, an abundance is necessary to re restore an equilibrium. And so I want you to please, uh, this, 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 is, this is actually not in my notes. Turn in your Bible to Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. When the Lord breaks a famine, an abundance is necessary. And so this is what I want you to keep in mind. An abundance is coming to you, ladies and gentlemen, and I'll explain why. I'll read from verses 18 and 19. The Bible says, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. That means it will break through and spring out. Shall you not know it? But then the Bible says, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now pause for a moment. For water to run in a desert, the desert has to be so saturated that the water cannot go down anymore. That means we are not talking enough. We are talking an abundance. For water to cut through rock and make a way where there was no way, we are talking fast-moving, abundant amounts of water. Please hear me. And I say this without any reservation. There is the sound of the abundance of rain. That means God will end this famine in your life, but he will do so with abundance. And the Bible says that that's what 
um, Elijah did. He prayed with everything within him. And I want you to realize, hold on to the power of prayer and declare what God says. You must realize a flood is necessary for you so that the levels are equalized. And ladies and gentlemen, when God breaks a famine, he always gives more than enough because you are, when you're coming out of a famine, you will always have struggled. In this case, ladies and gentlemen, there will be an abundance of rain. Now, that's great, but I want you to understand the key. What was the key? Elijah went to God and he prayed until something happened. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, when we come into the place of prayer, we give up too quickly. Let's settle something. Prayer, God answers prayer. And I want you to realize you, because God is faithful to his word, you can pray until his word becomes a reality. And God will make sure what you're praying for comes to pass. We realize that. Ladies and gentlemen, keep this in mind. So we know that famine is not God's will. Can you pray for a famine to break? Let's see what the Bible says. Please turn in your Bible as we close out this point to 1 John. 1 John, please. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. So why should you be confident enough to press in in the place of prayer. 1 John 5, 14 to 15, the Bible says the following, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. That's the assurance, ladies and gentlemen, that if there is a promise of God, that God grants, has given you, that there's a promise he's put in his word, that there's a promise his nature, his personality, his track record sticks with. I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, and I want you to please hold on to it, that the Bible says our confidence in Jesus Christ says when we come into the place of prayer, because we are praying God's will, we have a confidence that what we are praying for, God will hear. And if God has heard us, then there will be a manifestation of what God has promised. Notice the first time the servant came back to Elijah, he said, I can't see anything. He said, go back seven times. At the seventh time, the Bible said there was a small cloud. Hear me well. There will be a small break in your clouds that will become a storm. The sky will be black and there will be rain. But that's the power of persistent prayer. Persistent prayer. Let me go to one more scripture to drive that home and then we will move on. Please turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles 20, and I'm going to read from verses 5 to 9. And it's part of Jehoshaphat's prayer. And he's praying what Solomon prayed when they first established the temple, when Solomon dedicated the temple to the Lord. I'm going to read from verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil come, cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, 
that thou wilt hear and help. Notice the Bible says when you pray, because God has put his name on the line. John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. John 14, 12 to 14. I won't turn there. Jesus said, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name. That's our confidence. The Bible says when we are faced with any trouble, if we pray to our God, the Bible says he will hear and he will send help. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's how, that's way number two that you can thrive in famine. The first way was the word of God. The second way was prayer. Let's have a look at the third way. And the third way is interesting. The third way, which is associated with prayer, and we'll deal with the next two next week, um, fasting. Now, before you panic, turn in your Bibles, please. I'm going to read the scripture first, and then I will explain. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Isaiah 58. And I'm going to read from verse 4. And I'm going to read to verse 11. Isaiah 58, verse 4 to verse 11. Amazing scripture. And the Bible says, Behold, you fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. We've spoken about this, ladies and gentlemen, that the purpose of fasting is to ensure that your voice is heard on high. Verse five, is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord. We, I, I won't, I'll keep reading. Then the Bible says the following. So the Lord now says, this is the kind of fasting I'm talking about. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. We'll break that down in a moment. And No, I'll break it down now. Now, I want you to realize, although those are very practical ways, the, you know you can do that spiritually and physically. Especially when it comes to helping somebody who's oppressed. To helping somebody who is under a yoke or oppressed or... or be, uh, uh, under pressure what you begin to realize ladies and gentlemen when you step into the place of prayer where you now are moving from prayer for yourself you are now moving into prayer thoughts and actions for others we call that intercession okay and the bible says deal your bread to the hungry bring the poor that are cast out when you see the naked now not only seeing somebody who doesn't have clothes but somebody who is exposed because of a circumstance, a challenge, or a problem they have gone through. And because God has helped you, you can say, you know what, it's going to be all right. I can cover you. I can help cover you by what I know. I can help cover you by what the Lord has done for me. I can help cover you because the Lord has delivered me from these things. So let's keep that in mind. But let's go to verse 8. This is what happens when you fast like, like this. And please keep this in mind. Great scripture to go over in your own time. The Bible says, then shall thy light break forth as the morning and thine health shall spring forth speedily. Thy righteousness shall go before thee and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Verse nine. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, here I am. Let me keep reading. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, 
Then the Bible says the following. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness shall be as the noonday. Verse 11 is where we are going. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. Make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Ladies and gentlemen, when you extend yourself in prayer, in words, in thoughts or actions to others so that their famines break, the Lord does the same for you. But you know what, to drive this home tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I want to take you to a story. Please come with me to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth chapter one. And I really hope this speaks to somebody's situation. R Ruth one. When we are talking about a famine, Ruth 1 verses 1 to 5 describe a famine that is of the worst kind. Not only was it a physical famine that drove Elimelech and his family out of Israel, but there was a spiritual famine. There was a famine in their health. There was a famine in children. There was a famine in success. Things just went wrong. A complete and utter famine, physical and spiritual. They were suffering. Now, listen to me very carefully. What you are about to read next is where God breaks that famine. Because while they were going through, one of the boys marries Ruth. And Ruth builds a relationship with God. And this is how it begins. And ladies and gentlemen, I know I'm speaking to someone because somebody thinks they're facing impossible situations. The Lord will break the famine that is over your circumstances and things will change. Listen to me very carefully. Ruth 1 verse 16, this is how he broke the famine over Naomi's life. And the Bible says the following. I will read from verse 16. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. Verse 17, where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. The Bible says that, what was Ruth doing? She sacrificed her future to ensure Naomi was going to be all right. And she did it based upon a relationship she had built with God. That's what the Bible says is fasting. So what did she do? She broke the yoke that, well, everybody else says they're leaving you. I'm not going to be that person. Everybody else says that being around you is, is, is dark and everybody, people around you just die. Things just crumble. I'm not going to be that person. And the Bible says that she sacrifices her opportunity to go and get married in a safe environment. And she goes with this lady and she says, I will make sure you are all right. Two widows. She doesn't have much. They make their way back to Bethlehem. And ladies and gentlemen, this is what I wanted to say. And somebody needs to hear me. Two things happen that I want you to remember. Number one, and you can read the story to, to verify what I'm about to say. Number one, Ruth from that day 
forward does not pray for any of her needs to be met. Not once. She does not pray again. It's actually scary. And I want you to realize, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says when you are put yourself into a position of interceding for others, God has your back. And the Bible says Ruth doesn't pray again. The next she comes to Bethlehem, the first place she goes is where she's meant to go. The day she arrives, Boaz arrives. Boaz then, before she can ask for anything, Boaz sorts out all her needs. Then he says, don't just stay during this harvest, stay during the wheat harvest. The next thing we see, that when she goes and she says, oh, Naomi says, let me find help for you. You are a widow. You, they realize Boaz is their near kinsman. Boaz says, I'll make sure you're fine. I will raise up children. That means I will correct the damage. The Bible says he wasn't the closest relative. He goes to fight on her behalf. He then says when he marries her, the Bible says before they get the chance to pray for children outside of season, the Lord blesses them with children. Then the Lord breaks rules he set on Ruth's behalf and places Ruth in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand is this. The Lord is a, I want you to look at the details. Everything that was negative about Naomi and Boaz was turned round in Ruth's life. That's what it means to fast, as it says in Isaiah 58, where you begin to pray for others, where you begin to speak life over others, even when they don't know it, the Lord will step into your matter and he will snap the famine that is over you. And I want you to notice something. God didn't just break the famine that was present he broke the famine over Elimelech's line forever. So will it be with you. This is so, what's the third way that you can thrive in a season of famine? Fasting. What kind of fasting? Kindness, self-sacrifice, intercession, generosity, long-suffering, kind words. Whatever you can do, whereby God will send someone in a worse state than you to you. And that person will be the key that will turn your seasons once and for all. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we've looked at three ways that you can thrive in a, a family. We're coming to the end of tonight. We will pick up on this next week. We've got two more to look at. Both of them are exciting. Both of them are fun. And we're gonna, and that means, and please hear me well. This is a season that God will send abundance to level the playing field on your behalf. And so I join my faith with anybody believing God for a miracle tonight. I declare over your life, and I declare it carefully that in this season, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. I pray that your famine is broken. I join my faith with yours. Famine for children, famine for resources, famine for breakthroughs, famine for jobs, famine for money, famine for health, whatsoever has been held back from you. In this season, the Lord will break it and you will glorify him. I pray that in this season that your time in the word of God becomes fruitful. I pray that your time in prayer becomes a blessing. I pray that you find opportunities to be kind to others so that your seasons will turn in response. God will be kind to you in a very special way and if anybody is believing god for healing and we pause to say this if you're specifically believing god for healing i join my faith with yours and i say from this time forward may the famine of health be broken over your life 
in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your season. Launch out into the deep. Don't back down. Stretch the art uh, that stretch the cords of your tent. God will be kind to you. God in all ways will be kind to you. Um, we're just going to close it out tonight. Um, may God keep you and bless you. May God strengthen you in all ways. In Jesus' name. Ladies and gentlemen, we are done for tonight. Um, God will keep you and we'll see you next week. We'll finish this subject next week. I hope you enjoyed it. God bless you, ladies and gentlemen.